You are listening to Koinonia Church, where we are igniting contagious faith in the one God who restores all. Thank you, Pastor Chad. Happy Father's Day to all the dads. Uh, this morning, I want to wish a happy Father's Day to my dad. I mean, I did it in the first service, but I just want to say it uh, once again how much I, uh, I, I admire and appreciate my dad. Um, my dad really is my hero and uh, was present and, uh, in, and incredible as I was growing up. And, and now, having been a father, I so much more understand and appreciate uh, what he did for for us, for my sister and myself as a dad, deciding to be present, deciding to uh, to press in when it would have been easier just to avoid. I mean, I got teenagers, you know, and, and so it's, sometimes it's just easier to uh, go in the other direction when they come in the room, um, just to avoid what's about to happen. And, uh, and I, I just, you know, I just want to honor my dad for continuing to, to press in uh, to relationship with us and to, and, and to love us through even uh, those very difficult, uh, very difficult moments. And so happy Father's Day uh, to my dad and uh, love you, love you, pops. Uh, I'm going to speak to you this morning. Boy, you look, good looking group today. You guys came out in force. I'm excited. Uh, and uh, some of you are stuck here, uh, junior hires and high schoolers. You're stuck here. I'm excited that you're stuck here. To listen to me. Um, I appreciate you guys being here. And uh, I want to talk to you this morning about uh, a father's blessing. And um, as I was preparing this message, actually this, this message has been on my heart for a little while just to talk about the blessing that God has uh, for each one of our lives and how we, we actually participate in uh, that, that process of blessing uh, others in, in the world today and, and how that works. Um, and and uh, so I know it's going to be encouraging to you because we're going to get into spe- the, specific, the specifics of, of the way that God has actually designed that blessing for your life uh, and for my life. I do want to say before I, I get into it, uh, thanks to Pastor Ricky Hemi uh, from South Valley who was here last week. And so if you attended last week, you heard uh, Pastor Ricky. I have to say, Pastor Ricky's awesome. He's excellent. What an excellent communicator and an excellent pastor. He's doing an incredible job at South Valley. I uh, gathered a wonderful team around him. It was they, they, they were it was a great church to be in last week. I preached at his church, uh, and they're a wonderful group of people. But I just have to say, I like Quinnia better. <laughs> Just got to be honest. Just got to be honest. I like you guys better. Um, I will say it's always a little nerve wracking to uh, let another local pastor come and speak to your church, because what if you like him better than me, right? Because I mean, th- then, then you just go to South Valley. Like, well, forget this guy. You know, I'm going to go see South Valley, see Pastor Ricky. So I appreciate you being here this morning. It makes me feel better. Uh, but uh, I, I, I do have to admit, you know, uh, I heard a few people say, you know, that they heard like, oh, you know, Pastor Ricky was good, but Pastor Andrew, he's, he's He's better. Oh, man, that made me feel good. Made me feel good. I do want to say uh, that the message that he shared, which I didn't ask him to share, it's just what, you know, just kind of whatever was on his heart. I just feel like that the Lord was really speaking to him uh, because that is exactly where I feel like we're going as a church, where I feel like the Lord is is directing us uh, to become a church that is really intentional about reaching out to others and by sharing our faith and that we're going to get better at, at, at doing that. I'm not interested in growing the church by just uh, collecting more Christians. 
Uh, they call it transfer growth. Um, we need lots of churches within this community that are strong and growing and powerful. Um, and we're not interested in, in, in sort of like stealing people from other churches to make our church stronger. What we're interested in is changing and saving this community of seeing God actually transform people's lives and those who don't know him come close to him. The way that that happens is when a church decides we got to learn how to do this. We got to get better at this. We have to get serious about the thing that Jesus has called us to do. He called it, we call it the great commission is when he said to each one of us, everyone that calls Jesus King and Lord, he said, go and make disciples. And so we all know we're called to do that, but it sometimes it's really difficult. Like how, how do we do that? We, sometimes we even feel guilty about sharing our faith. We know we should, but we're not sure how. So we're going to get better at doing that. And we're going we're gonna to learn as a church and as a community to do that. Um, the, the summer read that we have, normally do a book, book of the month. Uh, this is really the book of the summer, and it's called Bless. And it's, it's specifically about this topic, which is why I think Ricky just hit the nail on the head. Uh, this book is five everyday ways to live, uh, to love your neighbor and change the world. Um, and it is practical accessible, very real ways that you and I can begin to participate in the project that God has for us, which is to begin to share our faith with our neighbors. And it, be it begins out of that concept of the fact that we are called to be a blessing, uh, that the greatest calling that we have on the earth today is actually to be a blessing to those that are around us, a blessing to our family, a blessing to our friends, a blessing to our community. And as we have that mindset that we are here to bless others, we're not here uh, to control or to force others or to push some message upon them and, and convince them. We're actually here to be a blessing to them. It begins to change our understanding of who we are and how we relate to those who don't, uh, who don't follow Christ, who don't know him. Uh, and one of the most powerful things that you learn in this book is that it all starts with prayer. And that there are people in our lives, uh, and Ricky talked a little bit about this, right? Talking about the different areas of your lives and who's in the, those uh, places of your life, who's in your family that doesn't know the Lord, who, who's in your, and maybe at your workplace that doesn't know the Lord, and you begin to pray for them. And you begin to pray for them by name. And you will see that suddenly God has been engaged in the process in a way that is like rocket fuel, uh, and suddenly be things begin to happen. Because if he doesn't change their heart, we don't have any hope of convincing or changing them. It's a, it's a process of the Spirit of God actually drawing people. Now we're participating with them, and so we begin in prayer, and then we begin to build relationship community. So I want to encourage you. If you haven't picked one of these up, we sold out uh, last week or two weeks ago. They're back in stock, uh, and, uh, and I would love you just to begin to eat that uh, this summer and ingest it and get it into you because it will help us grow as a community of faith. Secondly, I just want to point out that there's a special thing that's happening July, the week of July 31st, Monday through Friday, July 31st through August 4th, I think it is, which is uh, summer worship camp. And this is the first time we've ever done this. Uh, normally we would uh, plan this a year in advance and you would have already heard about it already, but this was an opportunity that came just kind of last minute to us. Uh, Brian Bettis and another pastor who do these camps uh, in a number of different states across the country and churches, uh, a calendar opened up and they're able to come and do it for our church. And actually we're opening it up to the community, other churches, and we're talking with South Valley, we're talking with Glad Tidings and others. Anyone that would want to be a part of the summer worship camp, it's the 
designed for anyone that's 12 and over. Uh, if you're younger than 12, there, there are certainly exceptions that can be made, so just that's not a hard figure. But for anyone that's interested in worship, growing in uh, their uh, gift on the instrument or vocally, uh, this is for you. And, uh, and it might be for you parents who want to get your kids out of the house for a couple of days. I don't know. Uh, but it's, it's going to be really, really critical uh, or, or important for our worship. Uh, I believe I'm convinced as a pastor that we have to build a culture of worship. Just like we have to build a culture of sharing our faith, we have to build a culture of worship. And we, we should not have the expectation that it's somebody else's job to worship, just like it's somebody else's job to play the instrument. As parents, one of the greatest gifts that we can give to our kids is the gift of worship, the gift of an instrument, the gift of a skill. And I remember the, the day when uh, my parents forced me to, uh, to learn the piano. Um, and, uh, you know, for a while, you know, you're excited as a little kid. And you go, oh, this is great. You know how it is, parents. You know, your kids will get into it for like three weeks. And, oh, yeah, this is the greatest thing ever. You buy them the instrument. And, and then, you know, four weeks later, they're like, this, I, they don't even want to talk to you. You know, they're never going to play the instrument again. They, they've got a different view on their life. And then you have to decide, are you going to force them to do it or not? So my dad got smart. He actually began to pay my sister and I uh, to learn music pieces. And so he would literally say, hey, if you learn this, I'll give you $5. And, you know, that got us through that little section. And now I just thank God for the gift that he gave me, that my parents gave me. They invested in me and they forced me when I didn't want to do it to learn a skill that now is an incredible gift of worship. I led worship for years and I played in the worship team. And that's who we need to uh, see ourselves as, is the people who are actually developing and growing a culture of worship through our kids by forcing them to worship. So, <laughs> so take advantage of that. There's, there's uh, information on the Church Center app and other places, and you can get all the details and, and how to plug in. Let me talk to you about the, the blessing of the Father and how we participate in that, in that blessing. Um, some years ago, I was at a conference, and uh, Dallas Willard was, uh, was there. Dallas Willard has now gone on to be with the Lord, but uh, he was a, a senior statesman of the faith. Uh, you may not be familiar with him, but very, very influential uh, leader, uh, incredible uh, thinker and intellect, incredible man of faith, faithful all the way up to the end when he died, I think, in his, in his 80s. He was uh, my, some of my teacher's teacher, and, uh, and he, he wrote an incredible incredibly influential book some years ago called The Divine Cons Conspiracy uh, about the Sermon on the Mount. And, uh, and so I was, I was in this conference and they bring Dallas Willard on, on stage. And, and at that point, he's, he's getting on in years. He's not like doing a session. He's just basically kind of doing an in-between uh, interview with Dallas Willard. And everybody got quiet in the room because, you know, it's like when somebody uh, that has experience and wisdom and it's like whatever they say, you want to listen to what they have to say because you know this is a special moment. And that's what it was like the audience just got, we all got really quiet and we focused on what he had to say. And, and Dallas began to talk to us about kind of what I'm talking to you about this morning, about uh, the blessing of the Lord. And he was talking to us about prayer. And he said, listen, your prayers are powerful. When you pray for your family, when you pray for your friends, when you pray for your spouse, the reason your prayer is powerful is not because you are powerful. The reason that you can pray uh, a, a blessing on others is because you are actually agreeing with our Father in heaven who has already decided that he wants to bless that person. Yeah. 
And, and so it's not how beautiful your prayer is. It's not how wonderful a person you are. I mean, sometimes we have this weird understanding of prayer uh, that, that says that somehow God's going to listen to us more or less based on how well we did, how well we behaved that last week. The reality is, is we're coming to the Father in heaven who has already decided that he wants to bless you. He wants to bless your family. He wants to bless this community. He wants to open up doors of opportunity. He wants to, to change things in their life, in their favor. And, and what we're doing when we're praying is we are actually part, we're, we're like reaching up and connecting, holding hands with the Father who has already decided he wants to do that, the one who's all powerful, right? And he's already decided he wants to bless all around you. And you're just saying, God, would you now have permission? Would you take the authority to bless this person in this place? That's what Jesus told his disciples when they asked him how to pray. You know, you, you all know it, the Lord's Prayer. You know, he, he said, pray in this way, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So, I, so I'm reaching up to heaven and I'm actually opening a doorway. I'm opening a portal to heaven and I'm, I'm basically inviting the Lord, giving him authority in this arena because that's how God has set it up. He actually is using human beings today. He's using the church today. He's using you and he's actually waiting for you to reach up to heaven and say, God, would you now come and would you bring your blessing? I'm agreeing with what you already want to do. I know, Lord, because your word says this is what you want to see happen. You want to heal marriages. You want to change people's lives. You want to open doors of opportunity. You want to readjust people's direction. You want to clarify what's going on in their mind. So God, would you come and would you do that right now? And, 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 when, and Dallas basically said, he said, when you're, when you're praying, it's, you're not sitting out this empty hope to the universe and hoping it's going to manifest somehow through some magical way. No, no, we're actually agreeing with the Father in heaven who has already decided what he wants to do, and we're giving him permission. We're inviting him into this thing. That's a powerful thing. The blessing of God, the goodness of God, he desires each one of us to experience it, and he desires each one of us to release it to others. Yeah. Right? Blessing is, is something that is so... Let me just give you a definition here. If you want to follow along in your notes, you can find them in the Church Center app. But the, the blessing, uh, a definition is simply this, the advantageous situation resulting from God's favorable actions towards someone. Right? It's an advantageous situation resulting from God's favorable actions towards someone. In other words, things are in your favor. Things work out for you. People, they turn towards you and, and they give you, they, they give you a, a leg up. They give you a hand. They help you, right, when you don't necessarily deserve it or you didn't earn it. That, that, that's favor. That, that's blessing. It's like, it's like oh, I, did, I didn't even expect that. That's just good stuff. And, and that is the very thing that God has for you. It's the very thing that God wants you to walk in. That, that's the favor of the Lord. The favor of the Lord is, is when you show up and you don't deserve good customer service, but suddenly they look at you and say, would you like an upgrade? <laughs> well, yeah, I'd like an upgrade. What do you know? <laughs> well, let, and, and everybody else there is there, right? Everybody else is waiting for their, hopefully their upgrade too, but you get it. Why? The favor of the Lord. It's the blessing of God. It's what he wants to do in your life. It's an advantageous situation that God has organized for you so that you can step into his goodness. This is what Proverbs 10, says. The blessing of the Lord makes rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. The blessing of the Lord makes rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. Now, when it says makes rich, it doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to put dollars in your bank account. 
I mean, that, that, that could be part of it. But what it means is, is that every good thing, James, James says this in his book, every good thing comes down from the Father of lights, in whom there's no, he doesn't change, he doesn't change his mind, and everything that is good that happens in your life comes ultimately from the Lord. And he desires to bless you. It's an expression of the goodness of God that we're living under. Today we live under this umbrella of the blessing of God. Why? Because he has decided that he wants the people of God, the, every person on the planet, to have a relationship with him, and he wants them to experience his goodness. So there's this general umbrella of blessing that humanity lives under. There's even a greater, I would say, focus of blessing for those who are in Christ. Because those who are in Christ now have removed, uh, he has removed from them every blockage, all the sin barrier, all those things. And now we live as people in Christ under the incredible blessing of the Lord. So, so here's my claim today, as I've probably already stated it, is that there is a blessing for you to live in and a blessing for you to release. Just as a father releases a blessing on his children. We all know what a good father is. A good father is someone who blesses his children. He opens the door for them. He shows them favor. He gives them love. He, he does whatever he can to encourage them and give them a leg up in life and give them advantage in life. That's the kind of blessing that we can also participate in and invite others to participate in. This is what Bill Glass said. Uh, he, he says, um, Bill Glass was a, is a man that's involved in prison ministry for the last 40 years. Before that, he was in the NFL. And after 40 years of prison ministry, he said, listen, there's something that I believe is really at the heart of our issue with uh, the number of people that we have in, in prison. He says, our country's biggest problem in his mind is a lack of the father's blessing. He says, where there's no father figure, a substitute must be found. And very often people find gangs and they find relationships and they find things that, that are not healthy, things that, that are actually detrimental to them. Why? Because there's, a hole, there's an empty hole there that was, should have been filled by the blessing of the Father. The kiss, the embrace, the encouragement, the hey, you can do it. You can, I believe in you. I'm not going to leave you by yourself. If you would uh, look at this with me, Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, uh, 29 and 30. And, and this is the very beginning of, uh, of the earth. This is creation uh, at the beginning of the book. And we see here that God put into place his desire uh, to bless us. This is the business of the Lord. The Lord is about blessing. It says this, and God blessed them. Would you just say, bless them? Bless them. God blessed them. He said to them, you've heard this, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all of the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. Now, at the very beginning, God basically lays out and establishes what his plan is for the earth. His plan for the earth, his plan for you and for me is to bless us. His desire is to give us a project, a purpose, and priorities to live in. 
that today, even to this day, this blessing is still in play. That to this day, God hasn't changed his priorities and his desire for us. He hasn't changed the project. We're still invited into this thing of, of, of fulfilling the destiny that we have of, of d- taking dominion in the earth, of ruling and being a blessing to those that are around us. And we see this in Scripture over and over and over again. From Genesis all the way through Revelation, we see this theme of blessing and that God is in the business of blessing. This is what he did with Abraham. Father Abraham, we sing that song, Father Abraham, many sons, many sons had Father Abraham. Okay, Abraham was the father of the Hebrew faith. Abraham is the one that really, the reason why we today are in this house is because of the promise that was given to Abraham of blessing. And so it goes all the way back there. So, it, so it, God picked Abraham out. He brought him out of his place. And he says to him, Genesis chapter 12, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And to him who dishonor you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham now is brought into this this project that God has of blessing. It began with Adam and Eve. It continues with Abraham. And actually, Paul says of us, he says, you and I, anyone who's in Christ, we are actually part of Abraham's household. We've been brought in. So we are direct inheritors. We have, this is part of our inheritance that we are called to be a blessing, blessed to be a blessing. It continues, the theme. If you were to study it through Scripture, you see it over and over and over again, how this idea of blessing continues. It continued with King David, uh, that the Lord promised that he, his, his, uh, his kingdom would never end, that actually ultimately it would be fulfilled in Jesus on the throne. It, it continued with Jesus himself, that the, the desire for the Lord to be a blessing, and remember the blessing that the Father gave to Jesus on his baptism, that he there is being baptized, he goes into the water, he comes out, the voice of the Father says, this is my beloved Son in whom, whom I am well pleased, and then the Holy Spirit descends in the form of the dove on Jesus, and again, Again, we see the blessing of the Father, desire that he has to bless his kids. And then you and me, we are a part of this as well. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, uh, Paul says, listen, Christ has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Christ has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. It's so important for us to understand the blessing of the Lord and what he wants to do in our lives and how it works. And so I I just want to talk to you very quickly and give you five ways that this blessing is now waiting for you, for you to experience and walk in. Because sometimes we talk about the blessing of God, it's in some general terms. Let me give you very specifically what our Father's blessing looks like. And even as we look at the blessing of our Father God, we can see reflected that us as natural fathers, we can do do this for our kids and really anybody in the house, right? Moms can do it and all of us can do it for one another. Let me just talk to you about our Father's blessing. Number one, the, one of the greatest ways that our Father's blessing is expressed to us is that we are completely accepted. Would you just say this? I am completely accepted. Now, we all, have, we all have a deep desire for acceptance. Everybody wants to be accepted. If that weren't true, then we wouldn't be concerned about how we look when we go out of the house. 
right? We, we wouldn't be concerned about the kinds of photos that we put on social media. You know, we're always interested in image management because we're afraid that if we, if we show ourselves to others in a way uh, that, that is offensive or somehow they don't like, then they'll reject us. And we, we fear rejection. We want to be accepted. And I just want to tell you this morning, the Lord has accepted you, that God has accepted you. He loves you the way that you are. Titus 3, 7 says this, Jesus treated us much better than we deserve. He made us acceptable to God and gave us the hope of eternal life. See, you don't have to try to be acceptable to God. You don't have to try to earn his favor. You don't have to try to earn his love. You don't have to do good things that somehow are going to make him like you more. No, the reality is he says that he made us acceptable to him in Christ, that he actually decided to do the work for us. We couldn't earn it. We, couldn't, we didn't deserve it. He decided to do it when we didn't like him, when we rejected him. I, I love the verse where it says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When we still were enemies with him, he decided to come and save us. He went to the cross for us when you weren't interested. When I wasn't interested, he was interested. Why? Because he decided, I want my kids. They're acceptable to me. They're my children. I'm going to go after them. I'm going to do whatever I need to do to make them acceptable. This is past tense. He made us acceptable to him. Psalms 27.10 says, though father and mother would reject me, would forsake me, the Lord will accept me. You always have a place with the Lord. You will always be acceptable to the Lord. I just want you to know you are completely accepted this morning. It's part of his blessing on you. The Father says to you, you're acceptable to me. Father says to you, as he looks at you this morning, not based on how you feel, not based on your behavior, not based on anything else, you're acceptable. Good fathers, just as a note, good fathers say to their kids, you're acceptable to me. Uh, yeah, you might have made some mistakes. You might have done this or that. You might have acted stupid. You might have done some stupid things. You're acceptable to me. I love you. you. That will never change. That will never change. When we express that to others, then we're beginning to walk in this, this understanding of the blessing of God. Number two. Number two is that I am, you are extremely valuable. Would you just say, I'm extremely valuable? I want you to know today that you're extremely valuable, that Jesus himself says in Luke chapter 12, consider the ravens. They don't sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than the birds. See, God actually, he's concerned with everything in the universe, but you as a human being are incredibly valuable to him. We see this all through scripture in Psalms. It says that he stores your tears in a bottle. And the New Testament says he numbers the hairs on your head. In Psalms, it says that he knits you together in your mother's womb. God is actually incredibly interested in you and he sees you as powerfully valuable. He doesn't see you as throwaway. He doesn't, he doesn't see you as someone he's got pity on and I'm just going to save them just because they need to be saved. He actually saves you because you're worth something to him. He actually sees you as valuable. In the, in the, in the world today, we sort of tend to uh, assign value to things in two ways. We say things are valuable intrinsically or we say things are valuable because we attribute value to them. So intrinsic value is when we recognize that something is worth something because of just the way that it is made up. 
gold is an example of something that has intrinsic value, right? It, it, it's just, it's the very substance of gold we see as something that, that's, that's worth money. Plastic, on the other hand, not so much. Now, plastic, we attribute value to it, we shape it and form it, but in and of itself, plastic is just, you know, it's just a couple of things that, that, that really are not worth anything. God, when he looks at you, he says the stuff that you are made of, the stuff that you are made of is valuable to him. You're not just some throwaway thing. You actually carry the image of God. His thumbprint is on you. The very breath of God is placed inside of you. He uniquely formed you. So we look at ourselves and say, I, 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 I'm not worth anything. I, I have, and God says, no, no, you're worth everything to me. I, I, I made you. you. You have my image. You have my stamp on you. And because of that, intrinsically, you're valuable. But it's, you're not only intrinsically valuable, you're also valuable in a different way. You're valuable because he attributes value to Now, attributed value comes usually because of the person that owns the thing. So if I were to try to sell you one of my jumpsuits, it's one of my favorite pieces of clothing. I don't have any jumpsuits, but imagine I had a jumpsuit. Imagine I have a jumpsuit. I tried to sell it to you. How much is it worth? Not worth it much. Nobody's going to be buying that on eBay, I tell you what. If I, on the other hand, were to offer you one of Elvis's jumpsuits, Right? It would be worth something. Why? It's the, same, it's the same thing, guys. Same rayon, same polyester, right? Same color, same everything. I got it on Amazon just like Elvis did, right? <laughs> Why is it worth something? Because Elvis owned it. Because there's something that we see that the owner actually attributes value to it because of who owns it. So, so you're valuable not just because you're intrinsically valuable, you have the stamp of God, but you're also valuable because God owns you because he says you're valuable. He's put his name on you. He has decided that you're worth something. He's decided to go after you. And because of that, you are extremely valuable. I want you to know this morning, the father says to you, part of his blessing on you is that you're valuable to him. Don't let anybody in this world tell you that you have no value. Don't, don't ever believe the lie. Young person, don't ever believe the lie that because you're experiencing confusion, because you've made a mistake, because you've done something that seems terrible, that somehow your life is without value. You have value, you have purpose, you have meaning. Why? Because God says that you're valuable. A good father says to their kids, you're valuable to me. And I tell you what, I don't care father, mother, whoever you are, however you are, if you, however old you are, if you just begin to communicate to other people that they're valuable to you, it will change something. It will change something inside of your relationship. It'll change something inside their life. When you begin to orient yourself to others as one who simply says, you mean something to me. You're, you're valuable to me. Now, I want to have this conversation with you. I, I do, in fact, have time for you. I, I see you as a person that's worth something. Oh, man, if we, if we would actually begin to live that out, we would find that people begin to much more easily experience the blessing of God. They much more easily want to understand who God is. Why? Because they're experiencing a little bit of what that feels like. It feels like someone who says, you mean something to me. You're valuable to me. Number three, number three is this, I am eternally Loved. Would you say that? I am eternally loved. God loves you forever. Isaiah 54 says this. I love how it, how it says in the message translation. For even if the mountains walk away and the hills fall to pieces, my love won't walk away from you. Isn't that beautiful? Even if the mountains walk away, I won't walk away from you. My covenant commitment of peace won't fall apart. The God who has compassion on you says so. 
one of the great theologians, Karl Barth, after many decades of study on God, he was trying to give a, a def definition of God. He simply settled on the de definition of God as the one who loves, the one who loves. We, we say that, right? God is love. Of course, we, we can't really m make up our minds about what we think love is. Right? We, we, we're, always having, we're always defining love in lots of different ways. Is, is love a feeling? Is, is it a decision? Is love an action? Well, the reality is, is when we say God is love, what we're saying is that God is all three of those, and he has, in fact, done all three of those for you. He has decided. He's got a feeling for you of love. He's decided to love you and move towards you through the sacrifice of his son for you. He's opened the door for you. He's done the work for you. All the things that God uh, has done for you are demonstrating continuously how much he loves you. I want you to know this morning there is nothing that you can do today that's going to make God love you any more than he already does. That you are fully loved by the King of kings and the Lord. Boy, if we can get our kids to understand that, if we can communicate to our kids, we, I love you no matter what. There's, there's a blessing in that. There's, a, there's strength in that. There's, there's power in that. I want you to know this morning that you are eternally loved. And the Father says to you, I love you. Number four, I am totally forgiven. Would you say that I am totally forgiven? I'm totally forgiven. Well, we have a hard time believing something like that, right? Because as humans, we, we have a hard time forgiving. And, and, and we see our own brokenness and we see our own mistakes. And, and we, we, we just, man, it's like even accepting someone else's forgiveness is difficult sometimes. I want you to know you're totally forgiven by the master. If you're in Jesus Christ... He has made a way for you. He has covered you. That, that all of your mistakes, past, present, and future, are covered under his forgiveness and under his blood. This is what Ephesians 1, 4 says. Long ago, even before he made the world, God chose us to be his very own through what Christ would do for us. He decided then to make us holy in his eyes. Without a single fault, we who stand before him covered with his love. He's covered us with his love. So he, it's, it's fascinating because if you study how this works, it's that God has made a decision to wrap us in the love of Christ, to wrap us in the blood of Christ. And when he looks at us, he doesn't see our faults and our failures. He doesn't see our brokenness and our, and our sin. He doesn't shake his head and say, boy, I, I can't believe they did that. He sees the perfection of Jesus that has clothed us and surrounded us. And so when he sees us, he sees us as someone that's totally acceptable and totally forgiven. And we all need forgiveness. We all, we all have this deep sense as human beings that we need to be accepted and, and to be forgiven. There's a great story uh, that happened in Spain of a father who was estranged from his son uh, to the degree where they lost contact for years. He couldn't find out where his son lived, and he was searching for him, trying to do anything that he could to try to restore the relationship with his son. He couldn't find him, and so as, kind of as a la last-ditch effort, he decided that he would put an ad in the newspaper, in the classifieds, basically, to, to try to reach out to his son. And so he simply said this in, in, in the little ad. He said, hey, Paco, all is forgiven. Meet me in front of this newspaper office at noon on Saturday. And of course, then at noon on the appointed day, the father showed up in front of the newspaper office, and it wasn't just one, but it was 800 Pacos that were there, <laughs> hoping for acceptance and forgiveness. Why? Because we need acceptance 
and forgiveness because there's something inside of us that knows we've broken the law. We've broken the law of God. We've broken something against other people. There's something that's wrong that needs to be righted and we can't fix it. And no amount of good works, no amount of trying to do it, no amount of trying to say the right, and managing our behavior and saying the right thing, none of that's going to fix it. We need someone who is big enough to fix it, someone who's big enough to forgive us. And that person is God in Christ. If you're in Christ today, he says, as far as the east is from the west, so far he's removed our sins from us. It's an empowerful thing. It's a powerful part of the blessing of God. Boy, I want to live in God's blessing of that forgiveness, experiencing. I, I, I thank God that he doesn't consider my sins any longer. Thank God that the actual scripture says he has decided to forget our sins. That's, there's the, that's the only way that God, who is omniscient, who knows everything, right? He, the, the, he knows every fact that there is in the universe. The only way that an all-powerful, omniscient being could forget anything is to decide to forget. And the only thing he decides to forget, Scripture says, is he decides to forget our sins when we're in Jesus Christ. That he no longer thinks about them. He no longer considers them. He doesn't hold them against us. He doesn't even contemplate them. They're not, it's almost as if it has just been, our, our past has been erased. Thank God for your forgiveness. When, when as fathers, human beings, as, as moms, as, as people, when we just begin to unlock forgiveness in our relationships with others, you'll see something happen inside of people. You, you'll, you'll suddenly begin to participate in the blessing of God. You'll, you'll, you'll begin to communicate to them what it means to walk in blessing. The last point here, part of this, is that I am fully competent. Would you say that finally, I am fully competent? I'm fully competent. What does competence mean? Com competence is when you have a sufficient skill. It's, it's when, it, when you have enough, right? When you're able to deal with the situation because you, you've experienced enough that, that your competence is not a problem for you. The reality is, is that we don't feel very competent very often. And many times we, we feel just exactly the opposite. We feel incompetent. I mean, I, I don't know how you feel today about your skill set. But God has something to say about your skill set. God has something to say about the way that he has equipped you. Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 4, he says, Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are competent of ourselves to claim anything as coming from us. Our competence is from God. Isn't that beautiful? Our competence is from God. In other words, he has made you competent. Part of his blessing is that he has given you everything that you need to be able to succeed and to walk in this life. What are those things that make you competent? His word makes you competent and his spirit makes you competent. Right? He's given you his word. He's given you the scripture. He's, he's given you his, his very thoughts. He's, he's given you access to understand the right way to live and the way that, that we can cooperate with him. He's given you all that you need in his word. He's given you his very spirit. Not only is he, is he just given you his word, but he's decided that he wants to come and live inside of you and regenerate your spirit and open the door to heaven so that you can relate with your father and you, and you can have access to every spiritual gift. Everything that you need. See, there's no situation that we can walk into when we have the Spirit of God that we're not competent. Why? Because His Spirit is with us. The greatest person in the universe. Access to all of heaven's riches now lives inside of you through Jesus Christ. Oh, God, help us. Help us walk in your blessing. Help us understand the greatness of what you have. 
I want you to know you're fully competent this morning. In Jesus Christ, you have all that you need. When we're walking in the blessing of the Lord, it's a beautiful and powerful thing. Doesn't that make you just feel like, okay, thank you, God. You've given me some good things. Parents and fathers in particular, as we just love our kids and begin to give them that blessing, it's a powerful thing. It begins to open up the door for relationship and growth and all the things that God has. Uh, and as I come to a conclusion, of course, this is an invitation just of a recognition of the blessing that God has for us. It's also an invitation uh, to, to be a part of that and blessing others through prayer and, and just through walking in this. But I, particularly for fathers, I want to talk to dads today just for a moment because it's nice to watch videos like we watched all the sappy music and all those nice things that, that, that bring tears to the eye. And it's nice to talk about how we're supposed to do it as fathers and love our kids and, 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 and do it in such a beautiful way. But the reality is, is that many of us, we, we haven't done a great job. So sometimes there, there are some things that, that, that we've really messed up in our families. And, and, and so to talk about this can actually almost feel like, well, that's nice, Pastor, but, but my family's messed up because I, I really screwed up. And I want to tell you that, that God still has a plan for you. Stacey, would, would you come up and, and just share the word that, that you shared with me this morning, that, that there is actually an invitation for every dad that's here that feels like they, they, they haven't done the right thing. And maybe some, so much water has crossed under the bridge that you feel like, eh, it's over. I want to tell you today, it's not over for you. Stacy, would you share that with us? So this morning, my studies um, come across... Ezekiel 22, verse 30. I looked for a man among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it. But I found none. So I woke up feeling pretty good about Father's Day this morning and I got this word. And I know when he speaks to me like that, he says, uh, he's trying to make something real clear. So I ask, Father, what's up? Why this word? And he said, Stacy, there was a day when you believed that I looked upon you and you were not worthy to build this wall to protect the land that I've given you. He said, you believed a lie for a long time. You lived over there and you were that dad that was not worthy enough to come and live and operate inside the kingdom in which my son has died for you under the power and authority of my son's name, Jesus Christ. When I came to the end of myself and I looked up and I seen Jesus and he took my sin and he gave me his righteousness. And he said, now my son, let's get back to that wall. I stand today by his grace, what Christ has did on the cross. And not only a man favored by our father in heaven, I stand firm hand in hand with my wife now. We raise our children as one. We act, we worship our Father as one. 
I journey with brothers that I've seen leaving and living in that same lie under that same bad idea that uh, they weren't worthy enough to live that life and build that wall, protect that land that God had given them. I've seen them journey from this side to the other. I've seen them journey to the cross and find restoration. I've seen their families brought back together. I've seen them receive the peace and the power of Jesus Christ himself. As fathers that thought that they did that it was gone, that it wasn't happening. Listen to me, there are people in here today that are founded, firmly founded as men of God in their families. And because of that, we have hope. We know that we have hope that these families, we will change the nations. The families right here in this law, in these walls, will set the level, will set the standard of how we live as men of Christ. But there are two or men in here that believe the lie still. And you are a dad. If you have children, you are a dad. If you have a wife, if you have dogs, if you have cats, you are a dad. And because of that cross, because of his grace, and because Christ rose again, come today. And receive your daddyship again and come home. He loves you. He loves you. He died for you. And because of that, we have hope. We have hope. Take hold of that hope. And let us change the world by spreading the gospel of God's grace to the ends of the earth. Amen. If I ever don't know what to do at the end of my message, I just invite Stacey up. Would, would you just bow your head right now? Listen, specifically, what he said applies to everybody, but I, I want to minister specifically to, to dads, and you're in here today, and you just feel like you have messed up, and there's, there's some brokenness in your family, that you haven't taken your place in the wall. You haven't stood in the gap. And, and the, the invitation this morning really is, is for you to, to reach out to the Lord for forgiveness and for, for healing. That, that you would begin to take your place, that he would begin to do his work inside of you and inside of your family. And if that's you, if you need to reach out for that this morning, I want to pray for you. Would you just raise your hand uh, and just say, that's for me. I'm reaching out this morning. Yeah, I see dad's reaching out. Yeah, yeah. Lord, for every hand that, that's, that's raised, that represents a, a family, represents a dad and, and kids, it represents relationships, represents marriages. Lord, we just pray right now, even as a church, we just pray right now for our brothers. We just ask God that you would now, would, would you move on their behalf? Would you do something inside of them, even right now, even as they're reaching out for you, God, would you heal? Would you restore? Would you bring change in their heart and in their mind? Lord, would you make them into men who are committed to take their place? to take their place in the wall. Lord, would you even speak to them right now about how you are going to begin to adjust their lives? Would you, would you even like right now, God, begin to talk to them about things that, that they need to be responsive to in your spirit and ways, God, that, that they're going to begin to be obedient to you, walking away from some things and walking towards some things. And Lord, would you just do a work inside of them? And would you do a work inside their family? Lord, we ask you for restoration. 
We know that you're one who makes a way where there is no way. We know that you're one. We've seen you do it, Lord. Over and over again, we've seen you heal families, restore marriages, bring the hearts of children back to their fathers and the hearts of fathers back to their children. That's your business, God. So would you please do it in these lives? Would you please do it, Lord, in a way that is miraculous and marvelous, that makes us just in incredibly grateful for who you are. We pray that in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. We'll go ahead and put those hands down. If everyone would just stand up. I'm going to invite the prayer team to come down. I'm going to pray for you right now. I'm just going to leave you with a blessing today. Uh, but if you don't have a relationship with Father God, then this is the time for you to come down uh, and, and take care of business with him. When we're talking about the Father's blessing, that's an invitation to walk in a new life and in a new way through Jesus Christ. And if you don't have that, you can have it today the, the, because the invitation is wide open for all those who would desire. So I'm going to pray right now. I'm going to bless you. But if, you, if that's for you and you need to pray uh, with someone this morning to come close to the Lord, then, then I want you to come down uh, or if you need prayer for any other reason. So would you just close your eyes? Lord, I just pray in the name of Jesus a blessing on every person that's in this house and every person that's within the sound of my voice, Lord, we thank you that you're a God of blessing. We thank you that this is a people who are blessed. And Lord, I just speak right now of your blessing over their lives. I pray that you would anoint their head with oil. Would you look upon them favorably? Would you clear out, Lord, the road before them? Make the path straight. Strengthen the feeble knees. Give them, Lord, life and encouragement. I pray for an anointing and a favor that would be on them even in this week, Lord, that they would step into places that they don't even understand, but because of your favor, because of your wisdom, because of your spirit that's on them, that others would turn towards them and receive answers, that they would have, Lord, new opportunities for your goodness in their life. God, I pray for strength for everybody that's weak today in the name of Jesus. Wherever there is sickness, wherever there is disease, we just right now, I speak healing in the name of Jesus. Lord, for every heart that's discouraged, would you lift them up in the name of Jesus? Would you make them, God, we pray, the head and not the tail, would you move them forward at home and at work? Would you make them, God, shine like the stars in the sky? I pray a blessing upon these people in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen, amen, amen. Happy Father's Day. God bless you. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the message. You can join us in person on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. or online at the same times, including Saturday and Sunday at 6 p.m. Visit our website at kchanford.com. Koinonia Church, where we are igniting contagious faith in the one God who restores all.